If you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word, it's a great privilege to possess and to hear the Word of God. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, as Pastor Bruce shares with us, giving that grabs God's attention. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Father, we thank you for your word and what it reveals about our hearts and about what you value and pay attention to. May we align our giving, our lives, our outlook to what you are about to share through the preaching of your word. And we expect to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series on faith, finances, and a fresh start. And uh, for the last three weeks, if you've been here, then you understand that we have been taking uh, some time, taking the month of January, really, to uh, discover in God's Word what God says about stewardship, and specifically what God has to say about giving. And today we want to conclude this series. But before we get into the message today, I want to make an announcement. As most of you know, um, We traditionally have taken up the offering, received the offering at the end of the service, and the ushers will come forward, and they will use the offering plates, and they will pass the offering plates row by row, working from the front to the back. And, uh, well, this morning, we're going to make a change in that system of how we receive the offering. Um, I think what we will do is we will now take the offering plates and we'll put them on four tables throughout the auditorium and uh, for people to place their offering in it, uh, which isn't that big a deal. A lot of churches will have offering boxes in their auditorium or throughout their buildings to do that. Our one caveat that I think we'll make a change with is, is we will assign ushers each week to stand at the offering plate and to watch how we give. To not only watch how we give, but to watch the amount that each person puts in. And this change will take effect immediately. (laughs) Now, some of you are laughing. And if you thought I was serious, most of you would be thinking right now, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) Our pastor has lost his mind. I'm out of here. I'm not coming back. Are you? He's crazy. And the one reason why we would think that is because we would be offended at the thought of someone judging our giving 
After all, that's an invasion of my privacy. Relax, we're not going to change how we receive the offering. You're okay. Wipe your brow. Take a big, deep breath. And yet, as you heard from our scripture reading this morning already from Chris, this is exactly what Jesus did. Kind of interesting. As the people gave their offerings in the temple there in Jerusalem, Jesus watched the people give. He not only watched, but he evaluated what they gave. He judged, if you will, what they gave. The Bible is clear that God is is watching how we live. Some of you are familiar with the children's, the the, the Sunday school song the children would, would sing. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little hands, what you do. In other words, God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from our Heavenly Father. Now, I take great comfort in that thought. I hope you do as well. To know that no matter where I go in this life, no matter what I do, my Heavenly Father is watching over me. He's protecting me. He's caring for me. And yes, He's also evaluating my life. What a sobering thought. God pays attention to my life. That's a sobering thought. God pays attention to my life. This is the reason Jesus sat around the temple treasury watching the people give. Jesus was paying attention not only to their lives, but to their giving. And the first question we want to ask, it's our human Nature to ask this question is, well, why? Well, the answer is because God cares about our giving. Listen, giving matters to God. In fact, here's a question for us to ponder as we think about all this. The question's there in your notes. It's coming up on the screen. And the question is this. What difference would it make if you knew God was paying attention to not just your life, but God was paying attention to your giving? What difference would it make for you? Maybe a follow-up question is, what, would it make any difference? And if so, what difference would it make to know that God is paying attention to my life and to my giving specifically? Listen, as Jesus watches the people give their offering to God, he watches the wealthy give, but then something unusual grabs his attention. Jesus sees this poor widow give her last two coins to God. And that was more than enough for Jesus to stop and turn to his disciples and give them a lesson about giving that they would never forget. What we're going to see in this story is that Jesus elevated this widow. And he elevated her giving to teach us three truths about our own giving today. Let's look at them here this morning. Three truths about our giving. The first truth that we that comes out of this story, is that God pays attention to my giving. God pays attention to my giving. Now notice it again, what Jesus does in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 and 42. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. 
Now, the temple treasury was really just a place in the temple where the people gave their money. And there were 13 of these treasuries or these boxes where uh, in the courtyard of the temple for the people to put their money into. In fact, there's a little picture of what one of these, what the boxes may have looked like in that day and age. And on top of each of the treasury boxes was this trumpet or this funnel-shaped cone or maybe a copper uh, bowl of some sort into which the people dropped their money, which then fell down through the funnel and into the treasury box. Now, as you can imagine, when you dropped your money into these metal funnels or these copper bowls, it was possible to make, well, a lot of noise with your coins. In fact, that's just what some of the Pharisees would do. It's what they wanted to do. The Pharisees would take whatever money they were going to give, and some of them would change it into the most number of coins possible. It'd be like taking your $5 bill and, oh, no, I'm not going to give a $5 bill and drop it into the treasury temple. No, I'm going to go first before I come, and I'm going to change it into 20 quarters and then throw all 20 quarters into the treasury box. Why? So we can make a lot of noise. And people can see that I'm giving lots of money. And that's what some of the Pharisees would do. They'd come to the temple treasury, stand back, and toss their coins into the metal funnels, filling the courtyard with the sound of their gift. And all that racket would attract the attention of everyone, as you can imagine, and to the fact that they were making large contributions to the treasury. And so it's obvious they gave so they could be noticed, so they could be recognized. And Jesus certainly noticed them as well. He noticed how these people were giving as he sat and watched them toss their coins into the boxes. But why? Why is Jesus so interested in our giving? Why does God care so much about our giving even today? Well, it's been said that money talks. I'm sure we've heard that phrase before. Money talks. Money says a lot about people. I would suggest to you that our giving says even more about people. And so let me give you three reasons here why I believe God pays attention to our giving, why God cares about our giving. Number one is our giving represents who we really are as a person. It represents who we really are. Think about it. Money represents the fruit of who you are and what we do. We invest our time and our talents into a vocation with the hopes of making money. And how we give a portion of that money back to God says a lot about our heart. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, a verse you've probably, most of you have heard before, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our giving represents who we really are. Number two, another reason why I think God cares about our giving so much is our giving represents what we really value in life. Once we make our money, what we do with it speaks of what we really value in life. Do we value the eternal more than the earthly? More than the temporal? The way we spend money and the way we give money is a statement of what we really believe is truly important in this world. And so when we choose to give a portion of our money back to God, we are giving Him a part of who we are and what we think is important. A third reason why God cares so much about our giving is because our giving represents how much we really trust God, how much we really trust Him. When it's all said and done, our giving says a lot about 
our trust and His promises to meet our needs. When we get out of, give out of our surplus, it's easy to say, oh, I trust God. Sure, I trust God. But when we give, even when we don't have very much, it says a lot about how much we're willing to trust God. It says a lot about how much we're willing to trust what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 when he says, but seek the first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So the first truth we learn about giving is that God cares about our giving. He cares so much about it, he pays attention to it. In fact, Jesus cares so much that he watches. It's interesting, in verse 41, it says that Jesus sat next to the treasury box. And he saw how the people were giving. Now that word saw is exactly what you think it means. He literally saw with his eyes. The word is translated as beheld. And it literally means Jesus gazed upon them as though he was watching a play at a theater. In other words, that means he watched deliberately and he watched carefully as the people gave. Jesus didn't just casually observe their giving. He was close enough to see who was giving and what they were giving. Jesus saw who gave much and who gave little. And that's how much Jesus cares about our giving. You see, our natural tendency is to think that what we do with our money is, well, my business. But it's obviously God's business as well. Because God pays attention to our giving. The second truth about our giving comes in the form of an object lesson from a poor widow who gave generously. This truth, number two, we see that God pays attention not only to our giving, but he pays attention to the amount I give. As Jesus was watching the rich people give their large sums of money for attention and recognition, Jesus sat patiently, not saying a word. He just watched until he saw how much a poor widow gave. And that's when Jesus turns to the disciples and he begins to speak to them about the difference of giving much and giving little from God's perspective. Notice what he says now. It's kind of the lesson, if you will, that Jesus draws to his disciples, and now, 2,000 years later, he's drawing to us. Look what he says in verses 43 and 44. So he called his disciples to him and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had, her whole livelihood. Now, when it comes to the amount we give, please know three things here. First of all, understand God is aware of our circumstances in life. God is aware of our circumstances in life. In fact, Jesus is contrasting here something. The fact that the woman Jesus talks about was poor is very important to the story and to the lesson that he draws. You see, Jesus is contrasting the giving of this poor widow with the giving of the rich and the wealthy. 
The word poor indicates that she was essentially a pauper. She, she was a beggar, someone who had nothing, basically. And God was fully aware of the widow's financial circumstances. And God is aware of our financial circumstances from which we give and what it takes just to survive in this day and age. So many times we live and we go day to day, week to week, thinking, oh, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know about my circumstances in life, what I'm going through, what I'm feeling. He doesn't understand my financial situation. Folks, that's simply not true. God is aware of our circumstances in life. Now, what is amazing to me and what just jumps out in this story is that although this widow didn't have much, She didn't use that as an excuse for not giving to God. It's easy to think that because we are struggling financially, that God will excuse me then from giving. But we never find that in God's word. That's never the case. Jesus sat and watched a poverty-stricken woman give her last two coins into the treasury box, and he didn't stop her. That's interesting, too. You see, understand, our faith is revealed in our giving. Whether we have much or little makes no difference in God's eyes. And the temptation is to think that God doesn't know about our financial circumstances, but he does. And so whether it's poverty, whether it's debt, or a large family, or you got kids in college, or whatever you think your unique circumstances are that you're living in right now, listen, God is fully aware of it. And nowhere does God say that you should not give in light of the circumstances you're facing. If a poor widow can give, then we can give. The second thing we learn is that God is aware of the content of our giving. He's aware of the content. Notice in verse 42... It says that the widow gave what? What did the widow give? Two mites into the treasury. Now, what in the world is a mite? Well, it's not a bug. A mite, and there should be a a, a picture of it on the screen here, a mite was a copper coin. And basically, it was the smallest denomination of coin in the Greek world. And it was worth less than a penny. In other words, this widow barely had enough money to buy bread for her and her family if she had any children. But she gave it all to God nonetheless. Even more interesting is that she gave how many coins? Yes, both. Both coins rather than keeping one back for herself. Now, that's astounding. She gave everything she had, trusting completely in God to take care of her. This widow was silently saying to God, God, I love you. Here's my heart, my life. It's not much, but it's all I have. Yes, many of the wealthy people that day gave far more in quantity. But how much do they give in proportion to what they had? Do you realize that this widow became known for the amount she gave. That's staggering. Because I'm sure most of us here, we're familiar with that philanthropist, such as Bill Gates, 
give millions of dollars to charity. And it makes national news, makes the headlines. They'll have a little thing in the paper about it. It's the people who give a lot in our world that are known for their giving. Jesus reverses the tables here. This woman is known for her amount, and yet she only gave two mites. Most of us know the story as the widow's mite. And most of us know she gave two mites. Imagine if each of us were to be immortalized, like this woman, on the basis of how much or how little we gave to God. Again, our giving represents us. It represents our heart. It represents our faith in God. And that's the whole point of the object lesson Jesus gives his disciples. God pays attention to the amount we give because it represents our heart. We have a tendency to assume, I have so little. Surely, God doesn't care about what I give. But God does care about the amount you give. In fact, God cares so much that he took notice of the small change that was given by this poor widow. The crowd in the temple, I can just imagine them, they had probably been ooing and aahing over the rich who were giving and how much the wealthy were giving that day. And Jesus had remained unmoved by their giving. But when Jesus saw the financial circumstances of this poor widow and then the content of her giving, all she had she gave Listen, he was inwardly standing on his feet, applauding her gift to God. Why? Well, because the third thing we learn in the story, God is the one who makes the final calculation in our giving. He's the one who makes the final calculation. You can't help but notice that Jesus operates on a system of mathematics. Well, let's admit it, it's totally different than ours. As Jesus sat beside the treasury, watching the rich and the poor put money into the box, he tells his disciples something that just doesn't add up in the world's way of doing math. Look what he says in verse 43. Assuredly. In other words, Jesus is saying, you can bank on this truth. You can take this truth all the way to the bank. Assuredly. I say to you that this poor widow has put in how much? More than all those who have given to the treasury. What? How in the world is that possible? This widow gives two coins worth less than a penny, and yet she gets credit from Jesus for putting in more than all the other people combined that day. Amazing. Can you imagine the disciples' reaction? They're, they're trying to add, remember Philip in the story of the feeding of 5,000, the one who had the cash register mine? He's probably figuring it up. What? Doesn't compute, doesn't compute. Doesn't make sense. They'd seen some wealthy people drop some pretty big gifts into the treasury boxes, and now Jesus is telling them that this widow's two mites are worth more. It didn't make any financial sense to them until Jesus explained the way his calculation works in verse 44. For they all put in, he says, out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had, her whole livelihood. What Jesus is saying is that the wealthy gave out of their surplus. It was as if they were tipping God. 
But the widow gave out of her life. You see, the gifts given by the rich, it didn't really touch their lives. It didn't impact their lives. But the widow's gift touched the very core of her being. And we must remember a key truth here. God doesn't evaluate our giving by what we give. He evaluates our giving by what we have. What he has blessed us with and then what we choose to give back to him in return. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 8.12, For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. In other words, it's not the amount that we give that is of the greatest concern to God, but the process that we go through in our heart. In light of what we have that we could give. That's why God commands us to give proportionately. You understand what proportionately means? And I, you, know, you look across this audience here, and we all don't have the same amount of money. We don't all have the same income. We don't all have the same. It's not equal. And so in the New Testament, God comes and establishes, or, or Apostle Paul does, God through him, the proportional way of giving, percentage giving, in other words. Give proportionally to how God has blessed you. And that's why we find in 1 Corinthians 16, 12, the Apostle Paul comes and he says, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside as God has prospered you. The third truth we learn from Jesus about our giving, the third truth is that God pays attention to my attitude as I give as well. He not only pays attention to my giving, and yes, God pays attention to the amount we give, but God also pays attention to our attitude as we give. And the rich gave with an attitude to be seen by others. Man, they got that of self-recognition and self-promotion. But the widow gave with a totally different attitude here. She gave out of a heart of love for God. She gave humbly. She gave dependently upon God, trusting in Him to provide for her needs. In fact, let me just share with you briefly here four attitudes to, to embrace as we give to God as well. First of all, the first attitude, giving is not about problems but priorities. So give faithfully. Give faithfully. Listen, what was, what was the widow's problems? Oh, probably too numerous to, to talk about. We know she lost her husband. We know she's very poor. And yet her problems didn't stop her from giving to God. Why? Because this widow understood that giving is, is all about priorities. And it's the same in our lives as well. Listen, if we wait until we don't have any problems to start giving, well, let's be honest, we'll never start, right? Giving is a matter of priorities that flow out of a heart of love for God and His church. So give faithfully. Number two, a second attitude, is giving is not about wealth. Giving is not about wealth, but willingness. So give generously. If giving was about wealth, well, this poor widow would have never given to God. But she understood giving is all about a willing heart and open hands. Let me ask you, if God said, wait until you can afford to give, how many of you would give? We all know the answer to that. 
Very few of us. If we wait until we can, quote, afford to give, we'll never give. That's like waiting to have kids until you can afford it. Right? I love what Jesus says, or I'm sorry, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Now this I say, he who who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. The fact is, you can't afford not to give to God. It's in your best interest to give to God. So give generously. Number three, a third attitude. Giving is not about obligation. Rather, it's about opportunity. So give joyfully. This widow didn't see her giving as a duty to fulfill, but rather as an opportunity to honor God. And if your motive for giving is to God is out of obligation, you're missing out on the joy of giving. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, so let each one of you, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity give, but God loves a cheerful giver. Give joyfully. Number four, the fourth attitude, giving is not about legalism. It's not about legalism. It's not something that you have to do. A list of do's and don'ts. Rather, it's about lordship. So give thankfully. Here's the bottom line. Giving is not a financial issue. Giving is a lordship issue. And when Jesus becomes lord of your life, he becomes lord over your giving as well. And you give not because you have to, but because you want to express your love for God. So give thankfully for all God has done for you through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, as we reflect back on the giving of this poor widow, a widow that Jesus elevates as an example for us. He elevates this widow as well as her giving, the amount that she gave. And as we reflect back on this poor widow, let me ask you, what do you think allowed her to give with such an open hand? I believe it was her complete trust in God. This widow was able to give everything she had because she knew God would care for her. People who, with an open hand in their giving, are people who have learned to completely trust God with their whole life. And perhaps if if we were to examine our own hearts, we would find the reason we're sometimes reluctant to give is because we have yet to completely trust God with our lives. Listen, we're willing to trust God with our eternal souls. But are we willing to trust God with our earthly life, including our finances? When it comes right down to it, we either trust God to take care of us or we trust in our money. And which one you trust in will determine your level of giving as well as your level of blessing from God. Now, as we close here, or I should say before we close, I want you to, you know, I've been speaking for four Sundays now on giving. And we've dived into God's word here. And we've tried to discover what God says about giving. But I want you to hear the testimony of an individual in our church who has put this into practice. And I know many of you here this morning have done that. Many of you are faithful, consistent givers to God through his local church. And many of you have the same testimonies, or could. 
But this individual I've asked, so Jeff Ritt, I want you to come on up. And I've asked him just to share for a few minutes here how the truths of God's word have impacted him and his family in their giving to God. Shelly and I face some uncertainties. With the bills piling up and just enough money to cover them, we decided to seek some advice from Pastor Bruce. After laying out the options we thought we had, he uh, gave us another option, and that was to uh, look at the Dave Ramsey money makeover. And he, he provided the book for us based on that we would read the book and take a look at it. So after we read the book, we realized that there was another option, and this option was for us. So through this, we created a budget which included giving a consistent percentage of our income to God. Over the last year and a half, we have been able to pay off approximately $10,000 worth of debt, fund an emergency fund and keep it funded, as well as even increase our giving. In the beginning, we weren't sure about the situation. We couldn't pray that God would take our situation away because it was our own mistake that we were there. Instead, we began to pray that God would help us make better choices and give us wisdom to make better decisions. He just did that. You see, all this would not have been possible without faith. Um, as we started to begin this process, Shelley started keeping a record of all the blessings that God had provided for us and all the things that he was doing. So far, it's two pages long and it's still growing. It's exciting to see how God provides and meets our needs when we remain faithful in him. And the two things that I personally have learned and Shelley has is the first one is no one can outgive God. When I see what God is doing and how he provides, it makes us want to give more. And the second thing is without faith we were fighting an impossible battle. But with faith, we know all things are possible. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate him sharing that. And I still remember the day he called me up and we met down here at Panera. And uh, he started to kind of lay out his situation and um, the option in his mind that they thought was the only one available to them. And I don't think Jeff would mind me sharing. They thought they were going to have to file for bankruptcy. And that's the only thing they could do. And then we began to talk and just kind of share. And, and, um, and through the whole course of conversation and, and just sharing with them, well, you know, I think God has some other plans, some other options to you as well if, if you're open to following through on them. And, of course, some of you may be familiar with Dave Ramsey. 
in his Financial Peace University and the book that he's alluding to of, of Total Money Makeover, which it's a book I highly recommend. Um, and uh, Dave Ramsey uh, uh, has a lot of biblical principles in that book in which to follow through. And, uh, and if that's something that may interest you, you're in need of, and you have a, some questions about that, uh, feel free to, to contact me. And um, I'll set you up with that book as well. And uh, with a caveat, just as I did with, with Jeff and Shelley, that you promise to read the book cover to cover and begin putting into practice the biblical principles that Dave Ramsey has in the book. And don't just do it for one week, but you do it for three to six months. Because I'm telling you, what Jeff has experienced along with his wife Shelley is the joy of giving. And it's the blessing of faith in God. And then you become the recipient of all that. And many of you here know what he's talking about. But there are some here you have yet to experience the blessings that God has for you. You look at your life and you're like, oh, it's blessed. Yeah, it's blessed because of your own doing, but it is so pitiful in comparison to what God wants to do for you. And I'm not saying God wants to make you all wealthy and rich. He may do that. He may not. But there are other blessings besides just monetary blessings. There's the blessings of knowing that you are obedient to him. There's the blessings of of, we've talked about them throughout this series. I don't need to rehash them. And perhaps you're sitting there going, well, how can I get started in this? The testimony of Jeff and God's word picks my interest, and I, I'd like to get started. Let me just leave you with three steps here on how to get started with honoring God in your giving. Number one is decide. Decide. You're going to give financially to God through your local church. Listen, listen I, I, you know what? I've, I'm 43 years old now, and... I, you know, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, and I've learned a few lessons here and there, but this is one lesson I've learned. Giving doesn't happen by accident. I've never seen anybody give by accident. If you're going to give, you have to make a choice. You've got to decide. From this day, today, I'm going to start honoring God with my giving. So make a decision. Decide to give. Number two, define the amount God is leading you to give. You need to define how much. Define the amount. And tithe, that word tithe means 10%. I honestly uh, believe the tithe is a great place to start. It's a great starting point. Are you obligated to give 10%? No, you can give more. That's called grace giving, by the way. And then number three, discipline yourself to give on a consistent basis throughout the year. Discipline yourself to give on a consistent basis throughout the year. And what I mean by that is, give, if you give weekly, then stick to it. If you give bi-weekly, stick to that. Or monthly, however is best set up for you. You determine. But stick to it. Give systematically, in other words. Now, I can't think of a better way or a more appropriate way to conclude a series on giving than by participating in communion. Coming to the Lord's table. Our motivation for giving to God is based on Him giving to us with the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you realize that without Christ's death on the cross, and without His resurrection, we would have no hope of ever becoming children of God? We would have no hope of receiving forgiveness for our sins. We would have no hope of eternal life. And so, listen, God has demonstrated His giving to you and I. 
He's given us the greatest gift there is. And that is His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul has a few words to remind us about participating in communion when he writes in 1 Corinthians 11. Listen to what he writes. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Understand, the bread and the juice is simply a representation of Christ's body and his shed blood on the cross for our salvation. And sometimes we may wonder, well, who's able to participate in communion? Who's eligible, if you will? Well, first of all, it's for believers. If you're a child of God here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to participate in communion. And yet Paul goes on and he gives us a warning that not all believers are necessarily eligible if they're not in a right relationship with God. If we have sin in our lives, or if we have animosity or bitterness with other believers... That needs to be made right. And so, Paul gives this warning when he goes on, verse 27, and says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. In other words, the goal is not to remain out of fellowship with God. As a believer, the goal is not to remain in bitterness or animosity with another believer, but in other words, it's to step back and examine our hearts and to make things right so that we can come to the table here this morning, knowing that I'm in a right relationship vertically with God and also horizontally with other believers. And I can come and participate and reflect on the greatest gift of all, the gift of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me? And as we come and prepare for communion, I'm going to ask the musicians to come as well. And during this time, if you need to, make things right between you and God or even another person. After I pray, the servers will come and we'll pass out the bread and the juice row by row. As soon as you receive it, you're welcome to take it. And then just as you're waiting, sit there silently, perhaps even give a prayer of of thanksgiving dedicating your life even to God. Lord, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for your word and the truth that it contains about stewardship and giving. And Lord, I pray that we would put our faith in you, our trust in you when it comes to our finances. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of Jeff and Shelley and how you have worked in their life and how they have also put into practice your truths and now are reaping the benefits and blessings. Lord, I pray that for all of us. May you extend your grace as you have already. Lord, we also come with thankful hearts to your table, recognizing that your sacrifice is what makes all this possible. And so, Lord, we thank you for your death on the cross, your shed blood that wipes our sin white as snow. It cleans us and forgives us when we confess our sin to you and ask for your forgiveness. 
And Lord, we thank you for your resurrection. And we look forward to the day when you return. And until then, we, we live lives honoring to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.